maybe I shouldn't even call it corporate culture because it's more culture, human culture. So it's about being human more than anything else. Welcome to the Inner Green Deal podcast, the podcast for sustainable, compassionate leadership. You just heard Eva Carlson, CEO of the sustainability award-winning outer clothing company Houdini. Eva was one of our panelists at COP26 to be talking on leadership qualities. And I'm very glad to have Eva as our guest on this episode to reflect even deeper on the question, what leadership qualities are needed now? Houdini has been driving sustainability and circularity for two decades with bold steps, a conscious focus on their footprint and a clear roadmap how to become a restorative company. Eva will give us insights how to put sustainable and compassionate leadership into practice within a company. I'm your host, Tom Weimann, and I'm glad that you're with us to discover your inner green deal. Eva and I recorded our conversation during the second week of COP26. Let's start by hearing from Eva what she's passionate about. So my name is Eva. I'm a Swedish uh, CEO, mother of two, outdoor enthusiast, living in a very urban environment, Stockholm, but very close to nature. And I think adventure afar has been a big part of my youth and growing up. Outdoor experience and adventures with my family has always been a part of it. But more and more I also see the, the, the local adventures and the everyday life as something extremely valuable and the, the connection to nature. And then I, I work with something that I love. I would say that I'm not a professional person. I have chosen a career, if you want to call it that, is about uh, beauty. And to me, there's beauty in science, but there's also beauty in nature and uh, design lines and colors, and all that makes life worth living. There's so much beauty, uh, and I work with that. I work with science and material science, not the least planetary science. So I. I managed to incorporate everything that makes me curious and where I want to learn more and where I can create stuff that I believe in for a way of life that I truly love myself, but also have a lot of other people who at my side who love. And, I, and it's, you know, about outdoor and, and reconnecting to nature. And then I, I have a fantastic family, and that family includes... Uh, people at work, my colleagues, and my dear kids back home, and, and a rabbit as well, <laughs> actually. After briefly exchanging about the joy of having rabbits and cats around at home, Eva and I started talking about the time we are currently in and where she sees opportunities. For, um, I guess, decades, business has been about being closed and secretive and not at all open source, but the opposite. So it's a good time to be around and, and having the opportunity to learn, not in silos, but in systems. To think of your industry as a system 
is something few companies really put into practice. To give you an example how far Houdini is taking this, here's a short piece from one of their campaigns. But one garment is not going to solve the problem. So to inspire change, we're releasing it as open source. Every component, every design decision, and the circular principles behind the Mono Air is now available for anyone to learn from and build on. After all, we share the same home and we share the same problems. Why not share the solutions? On their website, Houdini states the following in regard of going open source with their jacket. We hope that other brands will download the material and learn from it, play with it, hopefully build even better solutions. We firmly believe in collaboration and that our industry has to push sustainable development even harder to protect our environment. And we're hoping that this will spark that passion within other companies too. So I asked Eva about the spark of passion for collaboration. It's been a, a policy of ours. And it's also, I, I must add, it's common sense, especially on the sustainability side, but sharing insights and knowledge uh, and, and then getting others' insights and knowledge, uh, it benefits everyone. And on the sustainability side and moving towards green technologies and so forth, it doesn't make any sense to keep it for ourselves. It has to be shared or it's a gimmick. You know, it's, it would be greenwashing if we did it in any other way. But I also f find it really rewarding and I think from a business perspective, smart. As we already mentioned systems thinking, I had a remark about seeing Eva quote Nora Bateson, an award-winning filmmaker, writer and daughter of renowned anthropologist Gregory Bateson. I asked Eva about this quote and how she as a CEO approaches complexity. It's a, it's a favorite quote of mine. It's, it's not about cracking the code, it's about catching the rhythm. And it is so true and it's becoming more and more relevant, I think, when the speed of change uh, is so fast, digital, exponential technologies everywhere. So there's no way a company can plan or set a very detailed, rigorous plan anymore. And that, I think, sometimes makes leaders uncomfortable because that three-year plan that is perfectly set and, and won't have to change, it doesn't exist anymore. But catching the rhythm, it's much more the way you, were, the, the way you have to act if you're a, an outdoor athlete. I mean, going up on a mountain, you have to understand the snow and the wind and how it all comes together and what it, uh, it results in. Or if you're surfing, of course, it's the same. You have to uh, catch the rhythm of the ocean. So I, I love it, but I always also love it in a business context. As Eva was with us on our COP26 panel on leadership, I could not proceed without asking her what she thinks is nowadays really important for somebody in a leadership role. Maybe one of the most important things is having the courage to question conventions, to question not only others' way of acting, but societal conventions. Telling me, for instance, that as a CEO, I should put on a suit and when I come to work, I'm no longer a mother. I'm a CEO and that's it. And that, of course, doesn't only... Um, come for a CEO. It, I think a lot of uh, people who go to work simply don't feel like they can be themselves at work, but rather put on a corporate set of values and then 
being okay with that is what is expected. And I think also some individuals just don't question it and questioning conventions then. Why should I go to work, spend eight hours a day doing things that I don't believe in? Uh, maybe as an individual, maybe I wouldn't even be proud or I would be ashamed of what I do at work. So questioning those conventions and then being bold enough to uh, take your own path and disrupt or transform. I'm more for transformation than disruption. To me, I don't know if it's correct or not, but transformation is kind of bringing people along, while disruption is about leaving everyone else behind and being the hero, doing the new stuff. I don't think that is the best way forward, and it's not uh, the way I would like to lead, but transformation then makes much more sense to me. So from where do we get directions when leading the way forward, especially in times of transformation? What is the north for our internal compass? Evo was very clear on the importance of common values as a foundation within a company. We have a set of values that feel very, very much like home for everyone. And of course, it's also maybe a fact that my colleagues have chosen to, to move or join a company where they embrace the vision and, and the values. That could be it. But to have a common set of values and then not only have those values uh, on a PowerPoint, but you ha use them as your keel and rudder in the everyday operations and strategic work. That has been really important for us because that means that everybody can feel comfortable with, with taking decisions rather than being worried that, okay, we're saying that we're uncompromising, but here I know that I, if I don't compromise with sustainability, I, I will increase cost. It will come back at me, kind of. I think it has to be much less of all that politics, but rather straightforward work in line with our values. Um, I don't really know exactly how how that corporate culture, maybe I shouldn't even call it corporate culture because it's more culture, human culture. So it's about being human more than anything else. From a business leader perspective, just thinking about the opportunity with individuals coming to work as their whole selves rather than as part of themselves. And just the energy and the flow and the force in the right direction that you can have. So in that sense, I believe we are an extremely strong force at our company, even though we're quite small, because we, we use that energy and all of that energy. Some might think that within the current market-orientated paradigm, it might be hard or even impossible to fully embrace these values to be a strong force driving sustainable, compassionate actions, while still also being successful as a business. So I ask Ada whether she feels right now is the perfect time to change the way you act. Yes, and, and talking about that, if you, if you are market-driven, it can easily turn into anxiety because you're worried about everything that happens around you instead of focusing on, on, on your path, your vision, 
and your tactics to reach that vision. So I think it's market-driven companies, maybe soon something of, of the past, I don't know, but I think it's kind of similar to trends in fashion, you know, creating anxious consumers who are worried about doing the right thing the next season or wearing the right thing for this season rather. So the company version of that in an apparel company would be worrying about uh, having the right colors or the right styles or silhouettes for the next season. Um, zooming out a bit further, it's about being a market-driven. We're a values-driven company, so it makes us much more secure in who we are and where we're going. To be secure in who you are and where you're going probably also asks for a very clear direction. So I was curious about the vision of Houdini in regard of sustainability. Um, looking at Houdini, we see ourselves maybe more, of a, more as a project than a company. And we want to partake in creating uh, a tomorrow or a future or a world, one particular world. And we're very motivated to see that happening. So that vision is clear. And Our values have been intact since the start. Some would say that we are extremely stubborn because some of things are, we are so sure that we're right about that. Moving from linear to circular, for instance. The technological cycle separate from the organic cycle to make sure that what we bring into our Houdini system as natural resources, we see them as kind of borrowed from the planet. So we only have them for a certain amount of time and they need to come back the wider system, the planet or society, in good shape. We don't have the right to destroy them just because we own them. I find this really remarkable. For a company in an industry which used to rely heavily on growing consumption and ever-increasing use of resources, To have such a strong sense for stewardship, really taken care. When it comes to leadership, we often look at skills and knowledge, yet fewer times at attitudes and values. I asked Eva where the strong sense of responsibility at Houdini comes from. I think some of it is part of our Swedish heritage. Friluftsliv is the outdoor way of life in Sweden and, and the Nordics. And friluftsliv is a, a very down-to-earth way of looking at outdoor. It's, a, it's about being in nature and being part of nature. I think that is uh, one of the reasons. Our outdoor people, of course, have their favorite creeks for fly fishing, their favorite glaciers where they've been skiing since they were kids. And so there's an affection for natural places. But then when we have incorporated frameworks that we want to live by and learn from or guide us on our journey. We have the planetary boundaries framework. We have the, the donut economics framework for social um, aspects. But then those are, I guess, both scientific frameworks. But then we have another framework, uh, and that's a philosophical framework, uh, deep ecology, eco-philosophy uh, framework, uh, where there's intrinsic value in nature. It, it's not for us to consume. 
it's not a resource for us humans. And looking at our world today, we, we are not, including Houdini, I, I should add, we're not living by those standards at all today. But mainstream is for sure not acting according to the philosophy that we believe in. And we are not either, but that is what we're striving towards. That is the framework that we revisit often to reflect on where we are and how to move forward. For your convenience, we have put further information on all the frameworks Eva just mentioned into the show notes and the resources. When we were at the live panel at COP26 together with Eva, one attendee in the audience asked Eva a question. Giving credit to Mark Eng for this question, I asked Eva, if transformation means we will have to change our culture and we have to change the paradigm of separation to interbeing, what is the number one value that is most important to you? The, the word that comes to mind is love <laughs> or compassion. I cannot come up with anything smarter right now, but I do believe that what we need to move into requires uh, a lot of love in a much wider sense that one maybe understands love today. Yeah. The love of life and the living system, I believe we cannot, can no longer see natural resources. They are not for us to consume by default. But that is the case because we have strayed away and disconnected in so many ways from the natural world and all the beauty around us. I don't know if love or compassion, it's something more spiritual than anything else. If you look at the indigenous culture, gratitude is of course essential. And that is maybe what I, when I use the word love, maybe gratitude is a better word for it, but, but gratitude for the little things then, gratitude for the whole, uh, for, for this marvelous planet we're living on and, and the natural system that we're part of. Gratitude for that. If, if, we'd start, if we would start practicing gratitude on a daily basis, I am absolutely sure that it would change us. If we practice gratitude for all that is given to us by nature on a daily basis, it feels likely that this might really change us. Maybe that even as a natural outcome, that when we operate from a fundament of gratitude, we move from exploitation towards a conscious, restorative use of every resource. So it's being conscious about um, more than what's uh, just around you, more what's right in front of you, but and mindful then about how to use resources and. I think we are there with Houdini many times when we think which resources are actually okay to use to make products. Even if they're long-lasting and circular, which resources are actually okay to use? And which ne needs to be left in place, like forests? Or what needs to stay uh, in the ground, fossil? Those questions are really healthy. Eva and everybody at Houdini do not seem to be afraid of tackling the problems they see around themselves and in the industry. Eva once called her office as CEO, even the adventure of a lifetime. I was curious, what gives Eva her courage for this remarkable adventure? There is a lot of hard work in front of us in the transformation that we, we have just begun. 
Some have come further than others, of course, but there's hard work ahead of us. It's also a great adventure in the sense that we have to create new ways, find new solutions, collaborate and learn along the way. So it is an adventure and I believe it's really, really important for us to have that mindset rather than, for instance, if we look at the transformation as something where we have to reduce negatives, I, I think that's a quite depressing way of thinking. Who is going to wake up early, go to work and work like crazy all day to reduce the negatives. It has to be about moving from negative to positive and scaling positive. So to me, that that is the mindset that I've chosen. And I'm not going to um, try to not look at the negatives because they are there. And we have to acknowledge them and, and reduce them and eliminate them. But we can also look at the positive sides about learning and evolving as individuals and as a team and finding all these new creative ways and collaborations to become even more creative and knowledgeable. It is an adventure. It's much like the adventures of my youth when I went ski touring or sailed across the Atlantic. That was an adventure and, and this is an adventure. I chose to see it that way and I think that we as a collective at Houdini feel, feel that way um, because we've decided to make it a joyful journey. We have a goal that is compelling to work towards or a vision that is compelling to work towards. So once you decide to make this a joyful journey, even despite the negatives, how do you support this culture on the long run? Knowing that Houdini took everybody on a retreat to do a nature quest, I asked Eva about that experience. It's about... Uh, the connection again. I mean, reconnect to nature. We've said it's our purpose and reconnecting to nature means more than connecting to the natural world that is around you. It's also reconnecting to yourself and uh, being mindful about what you spend your life doing and what makes you happy. So I think it was extremely rewarding for us as a company and a group hopefully also rewarding for us as individuals to spend some time in nature, but more so spend time uh, with the most important persons in our lives, ourselves. That was the, uh, the idea. Uh, and while in an environment like that, in nature, on your own, not doing much more than thinking and realizing that there's so much life and beauty around you, It's a, such a cool experience. And I'm talking as an outdoor company CEO, but I know also that there are many others who have been out who are not at all outdoor people who have experienced the same. When in nature and realizing that this is the state I want to be in when I take all the important decisions as a CEO. I've heard that being said, for instance, and that's a cool thing that we can go out in nature and find that deep sense of calm where everything becomes crystal clear and you can take the right decisions. Taking the right decisions, that is probably what leadership is all about, especially sustainable and compassionate leadership. It's also about being bold and having courage when taking these kind of decisions. I kindly requested Eva to give us an outlook what is ahead of us from her perspective and also where she sees opportunities. 
Well, to quote Greta Thunberg, change is coming whether we like it or not. I, I truly see change coming. And as we've been working on these issues for two decades, a little more than that, there's dramatic change in mindset that we see now in customers and employees. Expectations are increasing. And there's also exponential pace in development of new technologies. So combined, there's so many opportunities. And staying with the old, there are so many risks. And then we have the adventure of our lifetime, exploring this new era that we're moving into and where we can create a world that makes sense and, and where people and nature can flourish. It's so cool. So how could anybody want to miss it? But also in terms of risk, there's exponential change in mindset and customer expectations and consumer behavior. And that will have a huge effect on business for the next decade. So I think one better start working hard on it and not pay too much attention to what happens or what doesn't happen at COP26, because there are other reasons to change. And like Kate Rayworth, marvelous woman, she says that uh, we all have smartphones nowadays. Use them for something good. Take a photo of your kids and take a look at it all, all day long when you take uh, important decisions at work. We have to start reminding ourselves of, of what we do in every action we take in, in our daily lives and in business especially. That will have an effect. We're, we're constantly creating the future and it's the future for our kids we're talking about. So we cannot stall anymore. We, we have to just go. And when you decide upon that and move in that direction, you have huge opportunities to become a frontrunner, a rebel that's loved by customers, people wanting to join the company or the journey as a customer. I mean, th then you can start riding. It's almost like a surf wave. We at Houdini are just surfing now. Still hard work. But there's so much positive uh, change that is there if you allow it to happen. In an article written by Eva, I read something that really inspired me. So as a courtesy, I kindly ask her to share this quote with us. A dear friend of mine shared something that a philosopher said. He said, all we need in life is knowledge, love and beauty. It's marvelous, isn't it? I think he's so right. I would for sure agree and maybe add hope. Uh, maybe I would add hope uh, and then uh, explain uh, more thoroughly that hope comes from the way of thinking that a shift of mindset is possible. It might not seem that way right now, but a shift in mindset is entirely possible. And that collaboration is the way forward. Collaboration is our natural state. Humanity would never have come this far without collaboration as a foundation. We've been taught that, that competition is the essence of human evolution. It's not correct. Collaboration is the essence of human um, evolution. Feeling that this was a beautiful wrap-up, 
I expressed how grateful I am to have Eva on our podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I feel uplifted by Eva's positive outlook and courage. Houdini seems to have figured out important pieces of the puzzle in order to put compassionate and sustainable leadership really into practice. For this week, I invite you to contemplate together with me on practical questions which are on the designer's checklist at Houdini. Maybe they can serve us whether we think about buying a new product or when we imagine creating a new product or offering within our companies. Does this product deserve existence? Will it last long enough? Is it versatile enough? Will it age with beauty? Nothing added that isn't needed? Will it be easy to repair? Is it durable enough? And do we have an end-of-life solution for it? In the upcoming episode, we will be welcoming Professor Dr. Volker Kwaschnik. He's Professor of Renewable Energy Systems at the University of Applied Science in Berlin, founding member of Scientists for Future, and one of the plaintiffs in the climate case against the German government. He will give us more insight on how to transition to a sustainable energy production and how science, activism and politics interact with each other. If you'd like to start a dialogue or support the Inner Green Deal, please reach out to us via the show notes. Thank you for being with us on the journey to an Inner Green Deal. Maybe I'm weird that way, but also I can truly sense the beauty of letting other life forms flourish. We've, we've lost that. And it could be so rewarding to see that happen and be knowing that you are contributing to that.